Hit the music playing. Where did you find this? <laughs> um, on my sound. I don't know. Like it's. I clicked through a bunch of links of stuff that I didn't entirely like until I found that. I'm like, eh, that's fine. <laughs> Alright. Well, I gotta turn it down a bit because I can't even hear myself speak. SoundCloud is so strong. SoundCloud is so good. Alright, so. Welcome, everybody, again to another fun episode of Mind Games. Today we have. One of the craziest people out here. He's not that crazy, but he is crazy with the stats for all Smash 4. With the analysis, we have Panda Global Swore. Swore, how are you doing today, fam? Good. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Really, thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So, um, as well, Swore is not completely familiar with how we do anything with how we do things in the episode, so we're just going to break that down for him just real quick and just give you guys a daily reminder of what we do as well so mind games is basically like even though we have like a try to have a fun time we also try to get into the deep sides and everything like from like how our mind perspective is as a gamer from depression how do we cope or do we use video games as a coping mechanism or how do we get into these type of communities that we're in or like basically just any type of um like mentality that you have towards the gamers and the gaming community as well and so right now I just want to kind of like dump and in, dive into it not into the super deep side or anything I think Pram has also something he wants to ask but um yo so Swar you're the man that goes does all the stats for a lot of the top players for the PGR and everything I'm pretty sure like you guys have a whole team and stuff and everything for you um do you mind jumping into like the type of like mindset that you have once you start going in and once you know when you're going to like post up this um the rankings for that court for that season like how was it when you did the first season as a better example oh um <clears throat> so a little bit about pg stats and what we do um obviously with the seasonal Smash 4 rankings, we got a lot of responsibility that we've built up over the years. In the beginning, we had uh, Esam, who, you know, as many of you may recognize, is a top Brawl player and a top Smash 4 player. He introduced our content on his channel by way of narrating it. And so the team had set up the graphics and the videos and everything having to do with the presentation. Uh, obviously, we made the list and did all the calculations, but ESAM kind of presented it out and uh, for better or worse, took a lot of the flack associated with the reactions. Back when the first Panda Global Rankings came out, people didn't really know what to say. They were surprised, they were angry, they were happy, they were confused. Uh, nothing had been done like that before and many people weren't sure if it would pass or not. Uh, but all of a sudden, a lot of esports publications and esports teams uh, kind of gained wind of it, and it started to become this, you know, norm within our culture. And it was quickly referred everywhere as the be-all, end-all when it came to analyzing players, analyzing, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of everybody. Forward, you know, fast forward that a couple seasons, uh, we started to have our own videos, 
And, you know, at first it was really tough because we would spend the whole season gathering all this data, crunching everything out, uh, trying to make sure everything is fair, going through different sorts of calculation processes because Smash 4 is crazy, both in gameplay as well as results. I mean, we all know the upsets that occur, the crazy top eights that come about. Uh, we all have that one tournament that, you know, had a top eight that nobody could guess, you know, Civil War. Last year, Frostbite 2017 last year, top eights that people just could not have guessed. So when it came time to presenting these, uh, we'd get a lot of hate eventually, um, as well as praise. But as I started to learn really quickly, people that like things are less likely to say that they like things compared to people that do not. So in the beginning, if there was a typo, people would dogpile on that. In the beginning, if there was anything left out people would dogpile on that uh people really just cared about the list didn't care about how it was made and that kind of sullied the experience for a lot of us especially me because you know leading the team and all that uh it's a good amount of people about nine people or so and so i used to be very downtrodden very like uh upset with the comments because you know you try to like appease everybody and all of a sudden like you're internalizing everything so you don't really get to see the good sides when people do enjoy it because like i said they don't post it but eventually i started to take uh what people would say and categorize it as just interest and when people have a strong reaction against something whether it's positive or negative that shows interest that shows that people care and people acknowledge you as a part of their reality People don't react to Smashboard rankings. People don't react to any other community-made ranking that floats around on Reddit, on Twitter, uh, because those don't carry weight in their minds. But when the PGR comes out, their favorite player not making it causes controversy. Their favorite player, you know, topping the charts, cause for celebration. So I started to take what people would, you know, what you'd classify as hate and use it to just make things better so taking in feedback people would say oh i hate how the card looks when we put up the player cards well what do you hate oh, i don't like the numbers that you're showing for their tournaments okay well how about we do this and so we changed little by little long story short it was a huge lesson in pr in understanding presentation and understanding marketing and uh we've learned a little bit each and every season or a whole lot rather but it definitely, you know, in the beginning, it was hard. I definitely wanted to give up, like, multiple times. Like, it's not worth it. It's not, uh, you know, anything that I really want to associate with beyond, you know, the first couple iterations because it's just such a burden. Um, because it makes or breaks careers, for sure. Yeah. So all that responsibility and then people, you know, saying what they say, you know, it used to be bad. But now when we post it, People don't argue about how it's done. People don't argue about anything other than their opinions, which is a lot different from before, yeah. where people just didn't uh, respect it or they would say, these are trash. Like, they don't say the rankings are trash anymore. They just say, like, oh, so-and-so underperformed. You know, so-and-so really surprised me this season. So we've moved past that, and it's been established. So a lot of, a lot of lessons, definitely. In terms of uh, putting out the, the PGR rankings, 
early on, I'm sure the way you described it, it sounds like there may have been an issue with like the transparency or, or how people understood the PGR to be kind of formulated. How important was it on your end to to figure out how to be as transparent as possible? So in the beginning, uh, transparency and even now has always been key. Um, how we define transparency really depended on the level of access we wanted to give people. Mm -hmm. uh, in the very beginning, things were a lot tougher to sort of present only because we were learning how to present things. Uh, we never wanted to reveal you know, the algorithm to the point where people could just take it and then either truncate everything by spoiling the rankings or by making their own and yada, yada, yada. So uh, every season we publish the data, every season we publish the methods. Um, transparency, I found, was just paramount to gaining any sort of trust because if people couldn't, understand how it was put together vaguely, then they'd reject it outright. Uh, about 5% of the community reads the FAQ and the method section, but that's enough to, you know, really topple any sort of integrity you're trying to establish if they become like a vocal minority. So um, definitely in the past, like people would be miffed by something, throw accusations out, understandably so, you know, we try to recover, we show you know, in detail what it is that we do and how we do it, and then they're satisfied. Um, because, you know, they do have a right to criticize, but at the same time, there's a level of, because there's a presentation aspect, and this is more than just rankings, um, we do have to take care of a couple of, of the finer details when it comes to release and presentation so that when we put it out, people aren't just like, all right, so here's the top 10. Right, um, right. <clears throat> So a lot of it is like, we're doing a reveal, but everybody wants everything at once. And then you're at odd ends with that. And so I always tell people, just wait until the end, it'll make sense. Wait until the end, it'll make sense. But, you know, again, like for many people, this is just a hobby or they check it out every once in a while. So they aren't as committed to really find out at the end. So if they can't make sense of it in that moment, then they'll dismiss it. Like, you know, we all do with things that just don't make sense. And like to add on to all that, like since I've been watching all this since like the first season, you know, with e Sam narrating it, I think like D1 did it too, one season before. And like, I can since like my Super Smash discussion group on Facebook loves to post every results when you guys pump them out and everything. And it's always the same type of questions like, where's this person? Or else they start like, figuring out like which player they think is going to be put on here or like when they're going to be throwing uh where where do you think like this player is going to get ranked or if he did well if he underperformed like how we've been talking and everything so like i've seen the whole difference from how it was in the beginning to how it is now for, like as a standpoint from when people used to just say like <sighs> this is trash, this player's not on here, fuck this ranking and everything, and blah 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 Like, I know I've given you guys, like, some shit before, because there'll be some times where I just don't agree with anything, but then, like, y'all know, like, I will tell you what I didn't agree about. But, like, most important lesson is, like, a lot of people don't realize what they have until it's gone, so I'm pretty glad that you guys decided not, like, to throw in the towel when you felt like you just wanted, like, when you thought it wasn't worth it or anything. Hmm. 
Yeah, and it really just turned into being able to give the community language and being able to categorize results in a way that, you know, previous to the PGR, people would say, especially during Apex 2015, when everything was really new, everything was really crazy, Abadongo's playing Pac-Man, what is going on? <laughs> and people oh, would this. say, as Mr. R is walking up, they'd say, arguably top 10 in the world. And they'd say it for DeBuzz, and they'd say it for Nairo, and they'd say it for everybody except for Zero, because he was undisputed king at that point still. But everybody would always say, arguably top 10 in the world. And that really doesn't allow for much of a storyline or any sort of narrative to be built because it's all opaque, it's all ambiguous. But as they started to come in, as it started to come out, as there was a top 10, a top 20, a top 30, you know, when articles come out, every single article that's ever mentioned a Smasher from ESPN and that level, dot esports, et cetera, they cite their ranking as the jump off. You know, when Tweet got signed to Phoenix One, ESPN reported 13th in the world, uh, according to the Pentagon World Rankings, yada, yada, yada. That tells you, even if you don't know what Smash is, even if you don't know what Cloud is, you know that this person is 13th in the world at what they're doing. So previous to that, I mean, even beyond the PGR, but like the tournament tier system, like how to classify tournaments and how to... You know, everybody would say everything's a major or this is a regional. Um, once we gave the language for S, A, B, and C tier, you know, people now understand like, okay, well, classically Evo was a big deal, but now we know how much of a big deal it is when it's several orders of magnitude higher than a KTAR, where, you know, it's a big deal for people in New Jersey, for people in Philadelphia, but KTARs are still a regional. It's a C tier, B tier event. So... Mm -hmm. A lot of like equipping the, the the community with that language, and every set at a major top eight, at least one to three times per set, you hear this the 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 acronym PGR, whether it's a PGR win, a PGR set, a PGR victory, a PGR player, PGR anything new to the PGR, and people you know don't exactly. I guess when you look when you stand back and look at it, it's like wow, you know if the only reason that, well, not the only, but like among many of the reasons where, you know, Anti got accept, uh, upset at Genesis 5 by the booth artist, uh, Magister, or Meister, I Meister. forgot what his name is. Yeah, Meister. Uh, he was unranked. He was virtually unranked, and Anti's highly ranked. And so just the jump off there, on top of him being a booth artist, on top of him not even being sponsored, that all adds to like how crazy the upset was. And so people now, you know, really are keen on that stuff. If they're top 10, they have high expectations. And before, everything was just kind of muddled in. Like, beyond the top 10, everybody was kind of top 20. So I think that's also, like, something people really don't get until the very end, but it's definitely present among everything. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, right now, like, the, always, the one thing that, that irks me the most is when since now that we have like these tiers for tournaments and everything because of the magnitude and a lot of players, like a lot of people, if they don't like that said player that won, they'll look at it as like, oh, it was just like a B tier event. He it, he won't do that well in the S tier. And I was like, he just played one of the best players in the world to get first place. Let him have his moment. Yeah, but it was still like a B tier. If it was an A or S tier, he probably would have got like 
not even top eight. I'm just like, you're idiots. But yeah, that's well, yeah, that's one of the grabs, like how it is, especially with the PGR being and all be all. How a lot of people feel about that because it, once it gives you that established ranking, and people want to look at that, and any type of article or type of source of media, like it's one of those true accomplishments, like a timestamp, like a per, like it's like a permanent record onto your whole repertoire that you're like, hey, I was once one of the best players in the world and everything. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about it too, though. Yeah, me too. And, you know, people always like discredit, you know, if it's not because it was a B tier, it was because, you know, it was Bayonetta or because it was Cloud or because it was Sheik or because of the matchup, the stage, whatever. But one of the things too is, you know, regarding results, um, being able to have things be in different tiers allows for a better understanding of how people do. I mean, last season, you know, Esam had the title of like the C tier hunter because that's a lot of what he went to, as well as B tiers, like a lot of regionals. He went to a ton of regionals and he never topped a, an S tier. And people, you know, really took that seriously because when Esam started talking about his placing and stuff, people would kind of chime in and be like, I don't know, you've never topped eight an S tier. And there were like nine last season. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it became pretty evident. Like if you're not in top eight at those S tiers, like you don't have a shot at top 20, like even remotely. So it also gave a lot of, you know, it is very much, you know, the legacy of winning an Evo is for everybody. People still have that in their bios from years ago, oh. but when it comes to the other things, like you can kind of weigh results a little better. Like, okay, like Zero might have gotten third, you know, but again, like it happened at the smaller tournament. But let's see that person get, you know, first again at a bigger event. Like that's that's where things start to really stack up. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a dual edged sword, but I think it's got like a net positive effect. So one of the things that you mentioned about the the jumping off points where ESPN or Dot Esports will will say this person is you know, eighth on the PGR. I've always wondered how you know, Smash rankings, in the same way as, as the league rankings, for example, how they would differ if it was set up on an ELO rating. And I think that what you just mentioned is probably one of the best arguments I've heard for kind of avoiding just having a, a pure ELO-based ranking system where you can say this person is the best or this person is, you know, this number rather than, oh, he has statistically, you know, 2340 ELO. But even so, I kind of am curious, were there any considerations of using an ELO ranking system, you know, early on in the PGR? Oh, of course. Um, Since everything's automated now, there was a lot of different choices that we were shopping around with when it came to, you know, how do we want to how do we want to automate this to be as accurate as possible? And when you test ELO, when you test Glico, Glico 2, uh, TrueSkill, all of those um, suffer from a lot of different symptoms that really are particular to Smash and fighting games as a whole. And that's double elimination uh, bracket system. So with those uh, automated systems, it doesn't take into account um there's not like it, it's hard to really gauge the results by those metrics because 
there's such one little data like in a season some people will never play each other because of whatever reason like in six months time it's very possible that people like abadango and you know anti will never meet right. um because of their seating because they're kind of close in skill sometimes they're on the opposite side of the bracket they get upset they never see each other and not having that much data really hurts that the other thing sure. too is that placements uh don't tell the whole story we've moved beyond placements and gone more towards who you've outplaced because as we all know like unless you get first at an event everything else really doesn't tell the whole story we've seen people get fourth losing to first and second and we've seen people get 13th losing to first and second and the conclusions to draw from that are kind of you know for lack of a better word like inconclusive like what can you really say about someone that got 13th and lost the first place and second place beyond the fact that they lost to the people who won the tournament right and so there's like a lot of uh noise and variance that occurs that those systems are just not cut out for because there's such few interactions the format's really wacky you know you throw in round robin and everything that ever happens is in round robin and you got a lot of sets you got a lot to play with but unfortunately, those sort of things, um, especially because of double elimination, where you can lose to the same person twice in a tournament, you can never face whoever got second at all and still get first. Um, well, not like avoid them because they're still grand finals, but third, right? I mean, the tie away, you can avoid them though. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the b best example, for instance, is Civil War where DeBuzz managed to win the most ridiculous tournament of all time and not be a single top 10 player to do that. And because of the nature of the tournament, because Zero got upset so early, everybody got upset so early, you had a top 10 of, at the time, not highly ranked players. I mean, T, um, Vitality, everybody that got there, they're good players, no disrespect. But at the same time, it wasn't a top eight with Zero, Larry Lur, Void, you know, everybody that you'd expect. But he still won. And are you going to say that the Buzz didn't deserve that? No, you're just going to say that the Buzz didn't get those high-level wins that some of the other people might have or that other people do at other tournaments. But again, what it would like ELO can't differentiate against that. Glico can't differentiate against that. So we considered them, and they just weren't as... Um, like th They work. They have a purpose. So does tennis-style rankings. But um, because of how particular fighting games are and because of the format... Uh, a lot of times beyond top 10, top 20, they're super inaccurate. Mm -hmm. And even then, like the bottom half of top 10 is really inaccurate. Um, it's just not equipped to deal with that. Do you think that there could be, you know, a, a could or should be a proprietary ranking system that functions, you know, pretty much exclusively for fighting games or, or for games that are, are, one-on-one -on -one in the in the way fighting games are yeah i mean that would be ours um our proprietary system measures who you outplace and who you beat and you know with working with the smash api or the smash UG api mm -hmm. um the data is all there and it, it, it's really cool how we've been able to tweak parameters and track just how um how specific we want the rankings to be um by the sincere fact that you know like like i was starting to talk about earlier like you know you get 13th losing a first and second or you get third losing a first and second you know you get 
fourth at Evo or you get fourth at Qatar means two totally different things. It's fourth to whatever system you give it. Obviously, if you increase the number of entrants, it means a lot more. But it's really who you outplace that matters. Like if you outplace Zero and Nairo because they both got ninth, then that means that there's a lot that happened at that tournament that the placements do not tell the whole story for. So that in itself um, causes a lot of issues for many systems, but ours takes that in stride by measuring all those differences between people who outplace each other and you know who they beat with the head-to-heads. Like the most important thing, if any ranking system's trying to like, you know, construct something specific, like it has to include head-to-heads um, right. all over. And the thing too is that because we were able to define tournament tiers, the head-to-heads vary in strength depending on where they happened. Like, yeah, it's a big deal if you beat zero, and that's probably the best thing you can do at a C-tier event if he happens to go. But if you beat zero at an S-tier, then you're all the more valued for it, and that reflects in your score. Um, before, a win on zero, like when you say you're 4-4 against zero, people would just be like, oh, wow, okay, so that's pretty even. But if it's three of those sets happened at, or like, you know, three of those sets happened at an S-tier and one of them happened at a C-tier, and it's really like three and a quarter, three and a half to four. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's really when you dive deep into the math for it. And, you know, people consider like 6-6 um, six, six to be a big deal, especially when you have people like Larry and Void that have those sorts of like high reoccurring sets because they play all the time in SoCal or whatever. Um, but 6-6 six, six is almost not that much different from like 1-2 because at that point, like you've traded so many sets, you're even once again. It's only those crazy differences like 4-0 or 5-1 where you start to see like, okay, this person is really pulling ahead. But if people are dead even or 1-1, one, one, then there's not really a lot to draw from that. So, and I'm sorry to just kind of bombard you with these statistics questions, but like at, at, at a higher number of, of head-to-heads, is there a point at which the, I guess, usefulness of added sets is diminished? Um. There is like a little bit of a law of diminishing returns. It really just turns into the expected value uh, that you have against the other person that just starts to teeter off because the whole reason upsets can are, are what they are is because I'm going to go against zero. He has a near 100% chance or you know expected win rate against me. But if I win, then that huge gap between us all of a sudden turns into my favor and then negatively impacts him that much more that's like anytime anyone beat zero essentially their career started but for everybody else like ally and kumar kiri it might be like 55 45 even after they have like six six or five five in sets like they're still rather close and if it's an ally's favor and he wins then everything remains the status quo but if Kumakir upsets him, then it's a little bit, you know, uh, in his favor more so than Ally just winning that. But that turns into really, like, you know, because in top eight, like, no one really says, like, there's upsets aside from, like, this, you know, grand finals or something really, really crazy. Um, but by then, everybody expects to trade sets with each other. But clearly, there's some people that are demons to other people, uh, some people that always beat. Uh, certain player types and certain characters so 
you know, upsets turn into a subjective sort of discussion, but there can definitely be an objective way of defining an upset. And winning more sets between someone else doesn't really help or um, negate that. It just adds on more to kind of like process. Cool. And like, I'm speaking online on that too, like, <clears throat> like if you pretty much like if you're being like any of the top eights and you were just not even on the rankings at all, like Cosmos, for example, and everything that kind of like just helps skyrockets any type of scout esports scouts there out there that were looking for like some new fresh blood and everything like <laughs> like Cosmos, like he's debut at Big House seven where he beat Salem and zero. All at the same tournament in the bracket, and then get in the top eight. Like that was one of the examples. Lotai knocking out zero, putting him in what? It was forty ninth, right? Uh, yeah. At Civil War, say, I thought zero exited at sixty fifth. Yeah, sixty fifth. Yeah, it was, it was 49th. Okay, yeah, okay. And zero Ally. was out. Ally was forty ninth. Yeah, so yeah, it was sick. Yeah, so like a lot of those, like you see, like a lot of those big booms, and it has always feel like. Whenever that happens, like a lot of wave of support goes towards those character, those players, and then it kind of like fizzles out. I mean, like Cosmos' case, it, ha- it really hasn't that much. Like he's still like a very very tough contender. No, not nothing against Lotai too, because I know that Lotai's still really good. But I'm still seeing like just that more consistent base with Cosmos after like his whole performance and everything, and then even afterwards he was still performing to those type of expectation levels. That you would expect for someone who just beat like Zero or Salem and all that too, <clears throat> but it's more like the whole st- the whole stats and everything was like I liked when um Prem was giving me all of those questions because they were like giving me it, I was really interested in everything you were saying and stuff and everything because it gives me a better insight and stuff and too, and uh, so we got like a few more questions going in with stats too. So we we're just saying like what is the best way to use the stats that Statistics to improve the community and competition therein. In what sense? Like in coverage or in local PRs? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, more like yeah, like more in coverage. I'm. I want to kind of like doing the local PRs, but local PRs is just like, I think everyone f- actually like really have figured that out by now for their own regions and stuff. But more about covers and helping us grow and bringing like more light to the community too. Yeah, a quick aside, because um, I get this asked a lot, but I always tell people when they talk about local PRs and they ask like, oh, like, you know, what do you think we should do and how much you think we should like weigh this or that? I always say that for local PRs, you can manage with like a three to five person council or panel and as subjective as it is, okay, as obviously people are biased and whatever, um, if the point of a local PR is to highlight local talent and make them somewhat of a leaderboard for your community to, um, you know, aspire to work towards, then all you need is an acceptable process and a nice, you know, sort of transparent way of showing it and doing it and it doesn't matter how you end up doing it like whether you pick straws or uh you weigh everything with like super high level math um local prs just have (laughs) like such tiny amounts of data comparatively and no math system really works well and i'll tell you what like every time we do the x factor every time we do 
like you know the the guesses of everybody versus what the rankings actually are like they're pretty close like they're pretty close they're not that far off um so that's all i have to say on that like local prs can totally get away with a five-person panel to just kind of like rate everybody and you know you could put like a anonymous ballot and then tally it up and just rate it by that because it's really not a big deal um i see so many communities fall not fall apart but like delay prs because there's arguments and all this stuff when in the end like it's not it's not a big deal guys <laughs> um, but i will say that for building and growing the community i think that um it's important to you know have event organizers and and they've been doing a good job since essentially the pgr came into existence but um highlighting the talent that's coming to your tournament highlighting a sort of panel or you know top player sort of you know presence that you're going to have whether it's socially or competitively you know by referring to their numbers by referring to that you know building up the hype for your own scene you know i've seen a lot of facebook groups where they report out to their scene like how their players are doing if they went to a major like evo so like new england you know, has people post like how everybody's doing, what their wins are, whatever, you know, take pride if like you're able to take a big name and take pride if, you know, you think that you have someone in your region that can, you know, reach that level of prestige and stuff like that. And most of all, like, if you make content, like anything you do to spread the word about the rankings, not only helps the rankings themselves, but it helps everyone in them. So anytime you know, you write an article that you think people aren't going to read, people will read it and people will share it as long as it's styled in an appropriate way. But if you're going to make content, like you can make memes on it and that's really helpful for everybody and they're funny and they're viral and they can get the point across. Um, but referring to that and like reinforcing it for everybody uh, works to really establish the scene uh, as something that people can take seriously at all levels and all walks of life because you know there have been many conversations i've been a part of where someone completely unbeknown like completely ignorant to all smash things like they don't know anything about anything they think that 64 and melee are the same game they think that all four games are the same game they don't know or care about stages or lilac or anything but you know i've been able to refer to them like hey you should take a look at this person because they're ranked 17th and after a few conversations that person gets signed and you know now they make content or they they fly and travel to more places uh all that's important and to like refer to it as much as you can in like competitive spaces whether it's twitch chat whether it's twitter reddit you know all that really just helps everybody in the end as well as marketing for events like if you get to say that you got like a good chunk of the top 10 coming to your event then that's easy for potential sponsors to sort of, you know, help your event out or entrance to sort of have something to look forward to or stream to like definitely key that into their schedule. Like it, it all sort of builds up to itself and it ends up really like snowballing if done right. So you, you touched on a couple of points that I really, I think is super cool. Um, in terms of bringing in sponsors, just by saying we have, you know, this number player, with with every PGR that comes out, do you ever have orgs that come to you kind of consulting about, you know, 
a certain player's skill or skill ceiling and whether or not, you know, in the case of a free agent, if they want to pick that play, uh, that player up. Uh, yeah, I've had definitely teams come up to me or be referred to me. Um, basically what has been the trend recently is anybody who's ever been picked up by anybody uh, seriously in Smash, it's been by reference. Um, usually it happens at a conversation that is unrelated to the game or to like esports in general like you know you just meet the manager of somebody at a bar or a wedding and then they know somebody and really quickly you have like a dm or somebody wanting to talk to you uh the bigger teams that pay attention to um twitter or even reddit like they seek it out and they will go down like a laundry list and contact everybody or see what's up or they'll just ask somebody to curate uh some picks and be like hey you know can you let me know who is in smash right now that's worth picking up and they'll go you know they'll ask me they'll ask the list or, or refer to the list rather and get that going but what really happened last season was uh, we put out the announcement that, hey, if you're in the talks with the team currently and you can provide documentation, then we'll vet for you and provide your rankings so that you can get that negotiation going. Because a lot of teams, um, you know, PGR gets like a pretty good amount of engagements and impression every time it comes out twice a year. And if you're able to wrap out an announcement that you picked somebody up into the announcement of their ranking, then you get a double whammy and it's good for business for everybody. So we were able to help certain players who wanted to either resign at a higher rate or just stay in general by showing their sponsor, their team that they're progressing in the rankings or that they've made it for the first time, uh, as well as people who were in the middle of offers, but they wanted some assurance as to what it is they were getting into. And there's no better way to do that than having the <laughs> yeah like showing the ranking system it's basically like you know you're asking your mom for like a new console but grades still haven't come out so you got to bring that report card with straight a's uh if you can get that report card you know kind of like in the mail pretty quick and get that going then you'll be better for it and your mom will help you out but if you have no way to really show that and you're waiting until the end of the quarter then they're not really motivated to do much outside of something that doesn't take away from them either monetarily or resources or whatever. So that's kind of what we shifted to um, helping players out because a lot of times players are just the conduits to those teams and teams like have so much going on like smash and FGC in general, sometimes not even on the radar. And if they have extra money, they'll dive into it and they immediately just come to this and make a decision. But you know, I'll be real. Like many teams don't, it's not that they don't care, but for teams, like everything's a transaction and everything's an investment. And what they choose to invest in and the returns that they expect are based on uh, projections and predictions that are made based on the market that they're trying to break into. And they don't care about, you know, being blunt, like they don't care about like the personality or, you know, any of the soft, mushy stuff that's incorporated with like rising up to the top. They want results. So, like, you're winning or you're getting high engagements. And so whether you're doing that by preaching that Lilat is beautiful, or you do that by, you know, winning the last two Evos or something, like it's gotta it's gotta happen 
by by some way so um for many people that are interested in smash like they don't know about matchups they don't know about who's the best like character wise they'll hear maybe like bayonetta here and there but you know they don't really know what that means right. they just they just they just need a return for whatever it is that they're going to drop in all right bram you got more questions <laughs> um i have so in in terms of uh pg stats kind of going back to having building a a proprietary system that works across games has pg stats kind of ever delved into or been asked to do a a pr on a regional national level for a different game so we did some experimentation uh, with Mortal Kombat X, we did release Ooh. a PGR of top 15 for that. It was very low key, um, and that was due to many reasons. Uh, FGC in general is very fragmented. It's very difficult to find any one community on any one platform. For example, even Mortal Kombat, even though Injustice 2 was coming out at the time, uh, Mortal Kombat has testyourmite.com, similar to a Smashboard sort of forum site. Uh, they do have Reddit, MKX Reddit, or Mortal Kombat Reddit. Uh, they do have Twitter, but um, compared to Smash, the centralization to Twitter and uh, even to some extent Discord is just not as high in the other games. Smash, for some reason, has the highest Twitter interactions and engagements whether they're positive or negative of any of the fgc apart from street fighter and even then most of street fighters in japanese uh, at the high high level um with mortal kombat it was kind of hard to release something because it was hard to target all the different platforms right and you kind of get like all these different parts and not one good like big you know sort of uh center platform like you're so, trying to find that one spot to strike gold and everything, and it's just just not doing it for you. Yeah, and you know it's different communities too, and like they're less active on <clears> you know uh, social media, and they also have like lower numbers. I mean, the biggest Mortal Kombat X tournament we even considered in the rankings was like Evo. It was like 500 people, and like we get crazy numbers all the time, and we don't even realize it. Even in this so-called you know dry period that we have right now, like people still get large amounts of entrance compared to any other game. Right. Um, obviously, last year and the year before, it was different because the game was new. But, you know, all set aside, we did just get um, commissioned and we're in the Smash Masters League. Uh, we it was recently announced, but it hasn't been, like, super, super announced. So I guess it makes sense that many people haven't heard about it. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we created a point system for them that takes into account all the different stuff that they're going to do. Um, not really spoiling much, but they're doing more than just like the events that they're hosting at the big venues. They're going to incorporate other events that they've mentioned before, like other nationals, like uh, CEO and legacy events as part of the league. But what they haven't really revealed yet is how they're going to work locally. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of surprises there. And, you know, you can kind of put two and two together, but we created a system that can take into account some local results so that by the end of it, you can actually participate in the league without, you know, even going to like the really, really big events. So right. they commissioned like going us to for China, for example. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, there's like uh, Pokemon VGC and Magic the Gathering and all those other established, pub, you know, with publisher relations type games that you can like, you know, compete at some like gathering uh, or some like, you know, comic book shop and like win enough events to get an invite, you know, to right. Worlds. And so we helped them develop that. And after a lot of the uh, flack that the 2GGC got last year because of how the circuiting points sort of worked one being over centralized to socal two being largely disproportionate uh because of how the events turned out like t and you know like t got into the finals because of a civil war run and you had wadi kind of bump out mr r because of one event even yeah. though he collectively had more result points but you know the system was made very very basic it was kind of like no more better than a Mario Kart, you know, four race circuit where first place gets 30 points, second gets 24 yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, but when you really want to look at like different results across various levels, across various regions, um, you need a lot more of an, uh, kind of like a hardier system. So they commissioned us for that. And I think that's kind of this year is going to be the beginning of a lot of different, um, collaborations and side projects. Um, we were approached by this one, uh gaming company that wanted to have uh pgr of their own um without going too much into it uh just didn't we didn't have terms that we found agreeable on both sides so it was kind of like you know just with all due respect like just dropped for both sides but it kind of showed like okay we can apply this to other games to other scenes and so that that was really cool and i think we're seeing the moves to make elsewhere because for all intents and purposes with Smash 4, we've had a lot of good feedback and good reactions. It's just more so like refining and you know growing elsewhere so that we can keep doing what we're doing here. And I'm definitely looking forward to all of that for the Smash Masters and stuff. And once we figure out like how they're incorporating the locals, <coughs> might you know pull out it might pull out a bunch of um people who retired and everything and who think they can like come back in like squeeze through or something. Well, so uh, I don't know how much time we have with you left because I know you said you had to be somewhere soon or until like 830 or something like that. I don't know what time zone we are. I'm, you're in Pacific, right? No, I'm in Eastern. No. Oh, oh, God. Okay, so yeah, we're going to have like half an hour for you. So, um, so um, yeah, so we got most of this episode has been about stats. Um, we're going to dive in tomorrow like the personal areas especially with um doing with the pgr stats and all of that so like at any given like at any time have you like personally struggled with like depression anger frustration or anything going like towards the stats in in any of the seasons um well i alluded to a little bit before um i definitely think that I don't think any of it has really driven me into any sort of mental duress or any sort of state where I'm like super, super down. Um, but definitely dealing with online hate, uh, dealing with, um, you know, just the other week, God, this is like when Black Panther is coming out. Uh, there, there was there was this, uh, so there's a lot of fallout after Frostbite 2018. If you hadn't followed the scene for a while, there were four Bayonettas, or three officially, but even yeah. one one person as a secondary hatter. Um, three Bayonettas in top eight at one of the biggest 
attended events this year, if not of all time, for Smash 4 exclusive. And so there was a lot of flack because, of course, Bayonetta being in top eight uh, really sours the mood for a lot of people. And undeniably so, she is polarizing. And so for right now, there's two different camps, or three even, yeah, just where, where a lot of people are like, oh, just, you know, just SDI, just, you know, she's beatable. Other people are like, I don't want to get better. I just want to play the game I like. And other people who are like kind of half and half and struggling in between and kind of ignoring it altogether. And so... Uh, there was a lot of discussion after there was more discussion about just her and not even the results of the tournament like the buzz won, and that was completely like completely that was completely ignored, ignored. <laughs> yeah the buzz won, and that was completely ignored because of all this crazy crazy controversy um so there's all this talk and you know people are talking about banning her and then bringing back customs like it, like overnight almost every option was exhausted in conversation both it, online on twitter and reddit it At was one point, yeah reddit was attacking uh, twitter twitter is attacking reddit top players are going against all of reddit uh, even facebook just, even facebook side was gone in too yeah well facebook's a little different because it's like interpersonal while everything no no, no i'm talking like, about the almost thirty four thousand group facebook smash brothers discussing group like they were pulling oh, yeah, stuff yeah. from reddit yeah, it, and twitter and it, everything it i had to zone. delete so many topics dude i was getting annoyed <laughs> yeah it, it was a war zone and somebody or there was like a growing uh thought of having a banned bayo tournament on a large scale and so uh 2gg had made a poll this was unrelated but this is just going into the history or the chronology um, but 2gg had made a poll hey would you like to host an event with one of the following it included uh, like Cloud Band uh, or Bayonetta Band or Cloud Band and doubles, Bayonetta Band and singles, and two other options. And of course, Bayonetta won uh, being banned. And 2GG, obviously, with the pedigree of hosting, you know, pretty crazy tournaments and whatnot, even though they're not with ESA anymore, they still have plenty of the team that they had before, and they're at a new place in Long Beach. And so they could totally do it. And there's Hyrule Saga that's coming up in June. Uh, later this summer and so blah 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 blah. all this is happening they want to do all this like ban bail and a big re like a big tournament too not that regionals or locals and i had chimed in and i said that any tournament that has bail banned will not be valid for yeah. the pgr and that yeah. was fine up until i said sit down Yep. right after yep and the, the funny thing is is that i was about to go into black panther and i had just been so tired i was like so tired of the discussion it was five people. days of discussion <laughs> yeah I, I was just very much uh, i was tired and annoyed and just cranky and largely irresponsible because i've built up a brand of being professional and being really level-headed so i came out Pretty much out of left field saying something like sit down, which is just two words, but enough to then start a uh, Reddit like flamestorm against me where it didn't even turn against me. It turned against the PGR and people in the thread were all pissed and people initially agreed with the message, but then they got pissed about it. Then they were like, we can do without the PGR like the PGR is like we don't need them like their ego like oh my god he's gonna someone did say like i was gonna weaponize the pgr oh my god. because then later in my own tweet someone said are you really gonna say that top players aren't gonna go to a place that has like money or whatever 
at, or, or like a large scale tournament or something. And I said, not a top player in sight, you know, because the thing about all this is that tournaments that have any considerable amount of money, which is like maybe three and those tournaments that have capital, such as the ESA back tournaments or the GTX type tournament or UGC Smash Open, which didn't even do an event last year, or just anybody who came in from the outside with some money and being like, hey, let's have a party. They're not going to risk banning Bayonetta and hosting this like super unconventional style tournament. Like you might have that at a you know 2gg or like a regional or a ktar but those tournaments don't have serious money to like you know really motivate like the flights and presence of like top 10 players uh if they're in the immediate area you might you know get lucky with void and larry but again like that was my whole point like you're not gonna have like a smash masters league tournament like just bam bam and so I was also in a movie and I was watching Black Panther. And so I, I had set my phone aside and I came back to like a thousand notifications. And so that, that's the funny part. Like anytime you go on a plane ride or like on a long thing where you have your phone off, if you tweet some fire, you're going to come back to, cause then you can't, you can't address it. And then people start making conclusions and then it starts spreading. So long story short, you can't even be at work. God. Yeah. Yeah. Long story short. Um, I was reading a lot of the Reddit and it had gotten pretty out of hand and I started to feel like this sort of, you know, like, wow, this is just not even like, this is not fun. Like, why is it, why are we, why are we doing anything for a community like this? But you know, that's again, a very vocal minority, a very agitated few that voice up everybody else was chilling that weekend you know, either playing at their friends or just taking a break from Smash. I mean, for many people, Smash is the thing that they do in between work, classes, family, pets, you know, recreation, all this other stuff. Like, there's not this diehard center that only does it, that defines the rest of everything. And that's why just SDI or just Get Better doesn't work for many people because they just play Smash on the weekends. So um, online hate is definitely real. Um, especially because it just dog piles and, you know, I did make an attempt to sort of address it and it didn't matter at that point. I mean, people don't care. And, you know, apologies also get read as like insincere, like PR. So it was, it was a huge lesson and, uh, pretty, I don't say funny, but it was funny. Like in the end, it was just kind of like, Oh my God, (laughs) like this, like in the moment it was crazy, but afterwards it's like, Oh my God. And, you know, it also went to sort of remind me of the the reach and the you know i guess sort of branding that i put out for myself where if anything the most common thought in the reddit thread was like wow i expected more of suar like wow like i thought he was more professional than this when you know in the rest of the community we have people like saying all sorts of atlantish stuff but that's part of their thing so it's like whatever like they can totally just snapchat them selves going crazy at a party and that's that's what it is but they don't but they're not making the rankings and they're not doing the sort of like official diplomatic work that we have to do so uh definitely definitely reminded myself about that and because i'm into broadcasts as well um you know my personal twitter kind of turned into my public twitter so i don't have like a alt or a outlet to be you know, non-esports or non-whatever, whereas some people do have, like, their, you know, their 
personality Twitter or whatever, and then their other Twitter. But for <laughs> many Smash people in broadcast, like you have to work as your public as your private because you know that's what everything hinges on. Um, but to to get a little bit deeper into it, like briefly, like in in the second season specifically, I remembered you know you 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 put all this work right because. The PGR, like the hardest part is not even making the list. The hardest part is the presentation and having the videos and the articles and the the images all look a certain way. And the rankings get done like the day after the last top eight of the season. Like everything just stacks up, it's done, it's automated. But you know, when, when people consider the player cards where you have to have their first and last name, their tag, their region, their nationality, their main, their secondary, the tournaments they won or got top eight or whatever at their placements rather their head-to-heads their percentage of the head-to-heads their highlight clip like it all starts to become like this insane amount of information like just for one pgr video of like 10 players there's probably a thousand bits of information um just on the spreadsheet that the editor works with so there's typos and there's things that go wrong and what happens is, you know, people hinge on that. Like, you you might hope that people don't see something when you publish it, but they're going to zero in on it. And then the rest Maybe. of the article doesn't matter. The rest of the image or the video doesn't matter. Now people are memeing it or they're making fun of it or they're just being like, wow, like they can't even get this right. When, you know, it's a huge undertaking, but many people will never realize that or even be a part of that. Um, so I definitely got down, like... You know, you do all this work and you put it out and then in the title, like the is misspelled. And you're like, oh my God, how did I, how did I, how did I let that happen? But, you know, it, it is your fault. And at the same time, like, you know, we're working under resource. Like we have the New York Times and like Vogue magazine with typos, like yeah. huge publishing firms with typo. But, you know, the internet is what it is and it's got like that crazy hive mind. And so understanding the hive mind and, being able to work with it and understanding that people, you know, they just react. They just say whatever. Like if something looks funny, they'll say it. If something looks fine, they might not. And if they do, then that's nice. But it's pretty rare. So it definitely got me down. I was like, oh, man, this is so, you know, there's no, there's no like, I don't want to say there's no goodness out of making the PGR that comes out of it. But like the gratification that comes from making the PGR doesn't come until much later. Right. Um, when it's put out, you're really just throwing a show and letting people digest it and letting it change sort of the um, landscape of everything. And then seeing how that, you know, net change really affects everything, you, you kind of gain satisfaction from that. So, you know, I've never... Oh, I like more recently as I became more public, like people would be like, oh my God, Sora, like, you know, in the team, thanks for doing what you do. Every now and then I'll get a DM saying, like, you know, we really appreciate what you do. You know, I really like how you take time in this or that. Um, but that never happens in the moment as much as <laughs> you would want it, it to. As much as you would love it to happen in the moment. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's like when I, when I sit back and I see, like, wow, like we really defined like 50 like timelines a season and there's a bunch of overlap because a lot of people get re-ranked but you know for everybody that's been on the pgr like their life has changed 
in some fashion. And <laughs> it's not that we are owner owners of all that credit, but like we're definitely a component of it. And it's cool to see that over time, you know, like zero, I talked to him like a bunch in a lot of them because, you know, I, I'd consult him for like what was fair. And I think that in designing the PGR, the biggest thing we did is that we talked to people. So we would talk to TOs and be like, you know, what do you feel about having the cutoffs or tournament tiers be this, this, and that? You know, we talked to top players and say, you know, we're going to consider your best six results and then taper it off after that. You know, and a lot of people were like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Because while zero can go to like 25 tournaments a season, Ooh. players like Nairo only go to two a month because they have to balance streaming. And so to keep the PGR from becoming an attendance record, you, you know, you start to like not water down certain results, but you just have to, you know, essentially have like a little bit of like a maximum. So mm-hmm. talking to players, talking to TOs, talking to teams, you know, like talking to the public, like, how does this look? You know, putting out feedback forms um, that really helped us in the end gain that respect. And I, I see now more than ever, anytime we do make like a huge blunder, which isn't that often, but anytime we do something and it doesn't look right to somebody, there's a comment that follows that says, you know, we got to trust them. Like in the past, they haven't like, you know, deceived us. So this is probably a typo or this is probably just going to be revealed later. Or, you know, this, this, we're probably not looking at this the right way. Um, Because, you know, if you've been there from the beginning, you see the developments, you see all the news, all the, all the different changes we make. But if you hopped in, in the middle of your sophomore year in college and then hop back out and then you're back in your senior year and all of a sudden zeros are tired and all this other different stuff is happening and you don't know how we do things anymore, then, you know, you're going to say some stuff that's not exactly, you know, on par with things, but who can really blame you? So, right. Right. Long story short, just like listening and not taking everything to heart because you really can't. And that's, that's the sort of stuff I've learned. I have a, a real, you lose him. Oh, he said I have a really and then Yeah, I heard and we lost him. Uh, Alright, let's wait for him to come back, guys. This is what unless he messages me on, on Facebook or something <laughs> that his whole thing that crashed or something. Hold on. Huh. Guys are connecting. Yep. He's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. He's back. All right, he's back. Uh, I could hear you too. And I, in any case, um, with with zero taking the year off, are you going to be consulting zero more this year in terms of kind of uh, building? Building. Oh, he's kind of gone. The PGI. <laughs> I want to kind of finish that question for him. Yeah, I think he was kind of going with. Um... You know, keeping I'm, you back again. I'm I'm back. <laughs> that was that was me. I accidentally hit back on my on my browser. So, so zero, yeah, you're saying. Uh, are you do you think you're going to be consulting zero a little bit more this year for the PGR with him just taking the year off? Um, not particularly. Uh, you know, without because the thing is, is that zero is like one data point among many when it came to asking about stuff. I mean, I talked to Mr. R. Talk a lot to the buzz. Talk to Nairo. Talk to Nairo's brother. Um, talk to high-level players, to mid-levels players, 
as well. Like, how does this look? You know, a lot of times I'll just be like, how does this look? No one ever gets the reaction. <laughs> um, but we've come at a point now where like it's a pretty well-oiled machine. Everything's just tweaks at this point. We don't make any mm -hmm. sweeping sort of things anymore to kind of like necess necessitate ah, necessitate necessitate or, um kind of like a like huge you know consultation um but you know i'll probably talk to zero every now and then to see you know what he thinks i think the biggest thing right now is that a lot of top players in the community in general um i think this pgr season uh, you know, combined with the drama, combined with the sort of lack of events, because of course it's a weird time in general. Like it's school starting, seasons are changing, all this other stuff. Uh, Summer Smash is still like the biggest party ever, um, and people are so used to last year being like a fix every two seconds. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people won't treat this season as valid. I think they'll, you know. And even top players themselves, like not even to like diss us or anything, but I think a lot of people was like, well, if he didn't win with zero here, like, did you really get first? Yeah. And it's going to happen regardless, even if they don't say it, like, you know, other people are going to say it, you know, it's like at your weekly, like if you don't win with the best person there, like, did you really win? Right. And the, and the problem with it is that he's not coming, you know, to compete again. So it's like, that's that that's the new norm but people can't shake that off and you know like leo's really ahead and then salem's clawing in and then the buzz is there and then narrow this you know people always use zero as like that guidance you know like to sort of see what was up you know and and top eights are suffering as well because you know for, <laughs> for the most part like all these players are great and grand and like seeing them do how they do is always a spectacle but really your perfect top eight formula back in the day was having a japanese player on winner side having zero on loser side and not winning the tournament at best getting third and having Nairo and void or mr r and like you know the only bayonetta people would allow would be like tweaker salem and those five in itself like would make the most godlike top eight formulas because if zero was like on the cusp of getting eliminated everybody would tune in to watch that yep. um the worst top eight formula you could have was like zero in winners finals a lot of people walk out at that point they don't care they knew who's going to sweep um but now without even a zero in there like there's really no one to um at least from my perspective i don't want to perpetuate anything but like there isn't a lot like going into it unless it's like nairo who has like a tremendous fan base that he like actively cultivates or leo or yeah leo who's more by circumstance has gained the you know love and praise of a lot of people but he just hasn't actualized it to the level that nairo has because you know language barrier he's younger you know nairo's been in the game for a while he knows how to like do the whole thing he's hyper in a way because of how like you know self-destructive he is and crazy leo does make crazy plays don't get me wrong and is godlike but the play styles are totally you know Nara's on a different level when it comes to recklessness and so um it's kind of weird it's kind of weird so I, I think we'll be seeing a lot of like you know the top 10 comes up you know a lot of people will be like well zero's not there so i'll discredit or kind of water down the uh importance of it 
and we'll, we'll it'll see be happens. like that for a full solid year too. It's going to be like that for a full solid year for both <laughs> seasons, winter and summer. Well, the thing that <sighs> might change next season is depending on what happens at E3. You know, like there could be um, like a it, Smash port headed in. You know, if it's going to happen, it's this year. If it's not, then who knows? It might never happen. But that's the only other big sort of like watershed event that could change anything for anybody if yeah. it stays on the course that it is now then you know it's gonna it's gonna take a while to like not have zero and not get zero ever again be the new norm mm-hmm. so so we'll see so i have i think do we have time for one more we have time for one more all right more. so last question for i guess moving forward for the next year or so you know what are what are your goals in terms of improving the PGR and, and, and improving what the PGR does for for the Smash community as a whole? I'm gonna add on to that, like, and how I like to improve like the storylines for players and everything. Like, like if you could, like, what could you do to like improve a storyline for like the buzz or somebody like that's already like you know kind of established? Well, I think my answer will in the end be limited by the fact that it's not necessarily within my capacity or responsibility or even agenda to do the whole the whole gambit the whole nine yards because like there's a lot that needs to go into creating the sort of sort of palpable hype that you get when you have Punk and Tokido going into Evo Grand Finals. Like, there's a lot that needs to happen on the content creation side. There needs to be, you know, best of clips. There needs to be meme clips. There needs to be recaps. And there needs to be, you know, like, gifts and crazy, crazy stuff done on Twitter that, like, people like Toasty have really done and taken control of over time. Um, high fights for FGC does it a lot too. And all that in combination with players getting signed by having a steady stream of interest from the outside, whether it's going to be Panera Bread sponsoring somebody or like, you know, Dignitas comes in or something like they did for Lucky and, uh, oh, and Hugs. Like, there needs to be a lot going on in the ecosystem. And right now, the rankings as they are are only a piece of that and a lot of the other stuff is held back right now and like we can put articles on the pg stat side highlighting the buzzes sort of rise this season and all of that however it would not fall onto anybody to sort of take that and you know cause action like right now things a, a lot of people are in the wait and see moment and during wait and see you also have to wait and see as well because you don't know what risk is going to be worth it or not. So, you know, the biggest thing right now is the Smash Masters League coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's going to be in March. It's in two weeks. But, you know, <laughs> like since people don't know what the new venue looks like in Vegas, since people are miffed that it's on the same day as Full Bloom, since people are miffed it's in West Coast again, like there's a lot of just like uncertainty, you know, but if, you know, we get a crazy top eight, then it might not matter. And, you know, that sort of stuff then 
maybe piques up interest. Like, whoa, these guys are sponsored by Progressive, says the manager of some team. Let me look into this event. What is this about? Who's this guy winning? Who's this guy losing? Is there a ranking for this scene? Oh, there's a PGR. Okay, let's sign the buzz. And then all of a sudden we have like whoever, you know, whatever company or whatever team in Smash again. And then people are making the buzz compilations. And then people are memeing the buzz on Twitter. And then all of a sudden you got this nice healthy like boost and injection of content because like the Smash economy like depends on so many different things that not any one person or entity can really take a hold of like we can't sign to buzz you know or if panda does and actuality signed to buzz that'd be funny and all and that would generate like content but you know i would say like i think i'm working at like a peak capacity with the team and the other thing which was noted in the last pgr release was the lack of articles the lack of coverage um there's just something that smash for suffers a lot the lack of coverage and just anything general well it's really mm. everyone um digital media right now is not in the place to really do what it used to do people read less but they read more of other stuff they don't read articles like i'll be honest i don't think i've ever read an entire espn article of a smash player and that's because i i have other things to do with my time and reading is not one of them um We've seen the transition from news outlets to video more and more, and not just video, but like one one minute clips, you know, yeah. about you know the conflict in Palestine, and then they like show a GIF and or not a GIF, but they show a video with like like a sentence over it, and then they switch over to something else with another sentence over it, you know, twenty deaths and this latest conflict, and then it switches and then something else, and then it was just one minute from Al Jazeera. Like those, and, you mean like those this now kind of videos? Yeah, exactly. It's it's switched more to that. That gets the sharing. That gets all that. If that was in an article, no one's gonna read that. And it's just it's what it's become. Dot esports closed down. Sure, you can close down anything that's based in article production. Just closes down because like, like Yahoo esports. Yeah, I mean that's down. what I was gonna say. Yahoo esports. I that was that seemed so sudden and so unnecessary. Well, you know, it, it just didn't, it just didn't justify, you know, it's good for us, you know, it's great when we shared it and when we liked it and it went around, but for many people, especially the people paying for it, like it wasn't enough. And, you know, I couldn't justify writing 50 articles for these people when it wouldn't get the return for my people's time and it wasn't going to reach as much as an impact or audience as the videos were so we made the videos that much more informative and you know really turn the attention towards like the digital media aspect of you know like watching and sharing um because the other thing too is that articles get summarized and top 10 videos get you know tldr on reddit on twitter and all of a sudden like why did you write anything like why like reddit can really be a huge vicious tool like um like countering force to articles so it, it really hurts and it's a it's a multifaceted problem but like i said like the smash economy depends on different factors just like you know regular regional economies you know whether it's like manufacturing and agriculture you know combined with like education and the different utility departments that are working within a city like all those things need to be pumping, you know, workers and, you know, different capital needs to be pouring in. And like, 
I think for what I would do like this year is, you know, continue on providing that content on our side and, you know, assuring certain partnerships and certain collaborations that we can get by talking and working with other people through our brand. But again, like it's not, it's not our problem or like the community's problem. It's like everybody's collective, um, sort of efforts really turning into something that you can't even really plan. I mean, it's, it's really stuff that it's like stars aligning, you know, like if tomorrow, like optic gaming or fanatic or whoever signs our highest, you know, look that player right now, like the buzz or whoever, even Abadango from the East, like, what will that look like? It will get a couple shares. You know, if he is competing at one of the tournaments this weekend in Canada, then maybe we have some eyes looking. But there's also the issue of viewership right now and the issue of, you know, a lot of people being upset with the meta. And the meta is the other component. Like, yeah. the meta has stagnated to levels that last year we were all about the quickness and all these vicious plays. And now it's slowed down a lot more. It's more on neutral. It's more defensive. Um, you know, since Smash doesn't have any true, like, defensive options when it comes to the fact that in any given moment you can choose six ways to get out, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have that sort of pressure that exists in other fighting games, especially with DBZ and Street Fighter, like, you know, really showing, like, the two opposite ends of that, like an anime fighter and, like, a true neutral fighter. Um, you don't have corners. You know, you, you have offstage and you have all this and that, but... Yep. Um, again, like the meta for a lot of people doesn't do it anymore. So, you know, the buzz gets signed tomorrow and we have a crazy compilation and a GIF and beefy smash these as a tech video on this and that people aren't happy with the meta. So it won't matter. Or people are happy with the meta and everything's amazing and they release DLC tomorrow and that would be huge. But again, if the changes aren't favorable, then it wouldn't matter. So, um, I don't know about you, D, but that's that's pretty damn good insight. It is. The entire time I was brainstorming in my head like what I can do. So, <laughs> so I'd say do your best. And I'd say like it is important to not leave it up to chance necessarily, but also understanding that you know there's gonna be times where like your best efforts won't matter. And it's not to be negative or to be a fatalist or anything like that or to discourage people from trying but you know you have to kind of look systemically like what's going on before you really try to do that stuff because i'd look at it as like a garden bed and like right now like there's just no sun so if you're throwing seeds at night and putting all this crazy good topsoil and all this fertilizer if there's no sun it's not gonna matter you water everything you overwater underwater it won't matter there's no sun so a lot of it needs to, you know, because a lot of people just think it's like just one thing, but it's like a lot of things. And it's not even just Smash. Like FGC in general struggles the same way. And it might be distorted by things like E-League or things like, you know, Capcom Pro Tour. But, you know, a lot of those communities and stuff, they don't have the same like successes or problems that we do. Like I said, like our events, the frequency and intensity of entrance is larger than every other FGC community. Like 
Killer Instinct does not get those numbers. Injustice 2 does not get those numbers. Marvel doesn't even get numbers in general. And Ooh. everything else, like, you know, DBZ is starting to now be this new thing, and we'll see how that goes because it has such an appealing IP. But again, like, who are your DBZ people? Well, your anime fighter people. So, yeah. you know, you do have Sonic Fox and Chris G getting in. But again, like, Street Fighter, like, the local scene isn't as crazy as Smash 4. Right. Um, it's very different. And there's also peripherals involved. Like, Smash is more accessible. And those other games, you need fight sticks or you need, you know, a little bit more execution that a lot of people don't have the time for. So, um, it's it's bad to compare, I'd say. Yeah. It, it, it always kind of leave you like it's not it's not the same thing. It's not the same scope. It's just both of them are video games, but you know they have way different things to worry about, just like we do. Okay. Well, unfortunately, that is all of the time that we have for today. This has been a really great, insightful episode in terms of the Smash community, the meta, all of that. And the, the, line, the, the stats, I mean, how how that machine flows and how the machine works. I mean, it's just the stuff that I love. Like, how is it made? Like, that, like how, like, you know, those TV shows, like, how is it made? This is like, this was literally how it felt for me and everything <laughs> in podcast form. I loved it. I loved everything about it. But we got to end this up because I know that Swar, you have something to do around this time. So for any final ad bets that's, um, drop off any shout outs that you want to give for to any sponsors or people out there right now um yeah i mean the team the team's really great i'd say that practical tasks i talk to him like every day and he's helped me a lot also to style things um zan dom jetty giant spike really great people poppy as well mayday uh we all have fun making it and doing it um yeah, my mentor Alan, who co-owns Panda Global with uh, David, uh, Alan's really just taken me under his wing and taught me a lot about the leadership aspect and how to shape and form things. Because I didn't know how to do any of this at first, but you know, he he really guided me through a lot of it, and he didn't just give me all the answers. He really just posed questions and helped me see like my own strengths through that. So. Always much love to Alan and basically everybody else in the Smash community that has ever had a reaction to the PGR because like I said before, um, when people acknowledge you either positive or negatively, that you exist to them. So it's just really important to take whatever it is that they're saying and incorporate it into your next move. Otherwise, you know, you might not get anything. Like we didn't know when we first heard the PGR if like it'd be an ESAM video with like, you know, two thousand views and then that was it. Like we didn't know, like we didn't, we didn't know. Like it could have easily <laughs> been the second one could have been like that, you know, without ESAM, but it became the thing. So you really, you really never know. And as long as like you put your best efforts forward and you have your intentions very clear, then you can't really go wrong. So really like the smash community for that. Really appreciate them. They're crazy, but they're uh super, super, Super responsive. They're crazy, but there are family and everything. Hell Good, yeah. bad, worse. We love y'all to the bottom of our hearts. That's all it is for the Smash. You all know how I feel. I'm not, actually, I don't think a lot of people know how I feel about the Smash community anymore. But if That's you don't know, I love y'all. Love y'all.
completely. All right. But well, that is all that we have for today, for tonight's episode. Once again, Planet of Global Spore, thank you for being our special guest for Mind Games episode tonight and everything. I'm your host, D Disciple, with Astarion. Yep. And we are going to be signing off. Thank you, guys. Make sure next week. Who do we got next week, Spren? Uh, we got Justin Weisberg. He'll be talking about business development in gaming. And uh, he has actually a, a, another really great story about you know, how how he overcame a lot to to build a, a pretty successful company in, in Long Beach, I think. So make sure you guys tune in for that t- next week. Uh, once again, we're signing off. See you later, everybody. Peace. Thanks again. All right. Peace. See you, Swark.